Hey now, you're listening to The Cycle, a podcast where we cycle through everything from sports to music to entertainment. Thank you for joining us, and as always, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow our Twitter for updates on new content, which can always be found in the description. Thank you especially for joining us for the inaugural show in this brand new series. With the NFL draft just days away, we have a lot to get to, but first we got to introduce the crew. Standing at 6'6", 305 pounds, a Division I offensive lineman, Benjamin Phyllis. Next up, we have the next big name in coaching, a local defensive coordinator out of Amity, PA, Wild Bill Will Edgar. Yo. And last but not least, we can't forget the accountants, our resident analysts, Jared Rice and A.J. Morrow. What up? How's it going? Gentlemen, let's start the cycle. And we begin this draft-themed show talking about the first 10 picks in the NFL draft. And it's no secret that the Cincinnati Bengals start this draft, and I think we all know what pick happens here. Wild Bill, we'll start with you. Is this even a question who they pick? I mean, they can't screw this up. I, we haven't seen a quarterback in years with this guy's like ability to read defenses. I mean, he's been in an NFL offense for the past year, and you see what it's done for him. I mean, it's just up to Zach Taylor on what you can scheme up for him. Yeah, Ben, as an offensive lineman here, how do you like the fit? Because Cincinnati's offensive line hasn't been great, but they're getting a starter back that they just drafted. How do you think Joe Burrow adapts there? Oh, I think he adapts very well to the situation that they have. They have A.J. Green coming back. they got a top-tier running back in Joe Mixon, and their offensive line is improving. I only think that he adds to this adds to this offense that the Cincinnati Bengals are trying to form with Zach Taylor at the head at the, as the coach, and I, I think it's a great fit. All right, so, A.J., we're going to go with you. What are your expectations for Joe Burrow? Obviously, he's entering a very tough situation, tough defenses in the division, I mean, Peyton Manning had 28 interceptions in his rookie season. What are your expectations for Joe Burrow? Well, I mean, you got to look at everything he has around him. He has a young coach still coming off, like, one of the worst seasons last year. He has a weak offensive line. He does have some good skill players, though, in Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and uh, Tyler Eifert. So he might be able to do something with that. But the Bengals' focus right now should be building up their O-line to make it better for him in his rookie season. I expect him to have a pretty good season, especially with how well Kyler Murray did in his new offense. So I think Joe Burrow will be able to do pretty well. All right. And Jared, we'll just round this out. Like I said, it's not really a debate here, but the Bengals won two games last year. Joe Burrow comes into the lineup. How does that change things for them? Uh, Personally, I think they're definitely going to improve because his ability to improvise is second to none from what I've seen in the college game. And uh, I think he's going to go through some growing pains. Like you said, Peyton Manning had 20 interceptions his rookie year. But it's all about how he learns from those experiences and improves for the future years. Like, they're not in a position to compete right now. But I think they can probably win, like, four or five games, which is double what they won the year before. And like AJ said, with the skill talent around them, I think he'll have some early success but also have some struggles. Yeah, and I think Sportsline in Vegas puts their over-under around five wins. So that seems to be a reasonable expectation. All right, let's go on to the Washington Redskins. And Jared, I'm going to stick with you because I think they have the opportunity to take the best player in this draft. And I think you know what school he's from. Uh, Why don't you talk about Washington's pick here? 
Uh, yeah, I think it's a no-brainer taking Chase Young from uh, Ohio State. Uh, as a fan, I've watched him the past three years, and his freshman year he started as a situational type of pass rusher, and he was very effective off the bench with uh, Tyquan Lewis, Sam Hubbard, and Nick Bosa around him. And his sophomore year he took a jump when Bosa got hurt, and then this year we saw he just exploded onto the scene. Uh, he struggled a little down the stretch because of some double and triple teams he was facing, but he won't see those as much as a rookie. So I think he'll be in a position to have some early success and help out his former teammate Dwayne Haskins on the offensive side as well, get him some uh, short fields to work with. Yeah, and Will, like I introduced you, you're a defensive coordinator now. Why don't you talk a little bit about Chase Young? I'm assuming you think he's going number two. I mean, he has to. Um, the guy is just absolutely massive. I mean, seeing him play in person was just absolutely spectacular. But um, I could definitely see him ending up with a career similar to Clay Campbell. I mean, he's just the absolute, like, prototypical five-technique defensive tackle, defensive end. But, I mean, with his, like, quickness at that size, you can play him anywhere from one-tech to nine-tech defensive end. And, I mean, he's going to produce. It's just all up to – if you can scheme him up so that he can be free every now and then, or even just make sure that he's on one-on-ones all the time. I mean, he's going to win his one-on-ones. I mean, he obviously didn't see NFL talent every single weekend, but that's every single player coming out of this draft. And I really like his uh, prospects coming into the league this year. Ben, how many sacks do you think he's going to get? My expectation for him is about probably 10-plus, and I see him as a pro bowler coming into the league. So this is a no-brainer. Right, and A.J., you got to see him play at Penn State, too, so I'm going to let you talk about just the massive physique of him. Like, he's just a monster in size, and he certainly dominated the field. They call him the predator. I mean, it's obvious. You look at him, he's like Miles Garrett, just absolute freak. And I watched him against Wisconsin, and they have a great O-line. He absolutely dominated against them. I think he's personally the best player in the draft so I mean that's an obvious pick for them they're gonna have a great D-line in Washington now so that's something they can build on right okay and so everyone once again seems to agree here I think this next pick is where we can start to get some debate and I just want you guys to take over this conversation the Detroit Lions Matt Patricia it's his final year in his contract it's no secret he's probably not going to return uh, AJ, what move do you think that the Lions can make that can make Matt Patricia's job just a little bit easier? Well, I think the move they're going to end up making is that they're going to trade down with Miami. Miami's looking to pick a quarterback. I think they'll trade up to the third pick because they're probably going to pick Jeff Okuda, and I think they can easily still get him at the fifth pick. So I think that's an obvious move for them to gain assets, still get the player they want, and Miami will go up and make that move at third to get either two or Justin Herbert. Yeah, I agree with AJ that uh, that's an easy move for Detroit. They definitely have the capability of trading with Miami and still getting the guy they want because New York at number four seems pretty dead set on a tackle. So if they're able to acquire future picks and still get their guy, like AJ said, that's an easy move. I think that's the move they'll end up making. Like what the previous two said, I I. Th- don't I don't think they end up trading the pick though. I think they end up taking Okuda at three. Um, just I don't feel the teams are going to trade up for Tua because of the recent um, release of him failing physicals and other injuries that he that he has before. Now if I'm if I'm the Lions and the Dolphins offer me for the third pick, I'm also obviously going to take the 
pick or the trade in order to get the better draft draft capital because like AJ and Jared said, it's they'd still be able to get Okuda at five. I just don't believe they'll be able to make a move with the Miami because I don't think they'll be they'll pull the trigger on it. And if I were them, I wouldn't trade with anybody else because you probably wouldn't get Okuda. Well, I mean, if you play this from the other side, the Dolphins, they're sitting there at five behind the Giants, the Lions, and the Redskins. I mean, the Redskins, we all know where they're going with their quarterback. The Lions, they'll probably ride out Matt Stafford for a little bit. I don't think they're going to go take into in this draft. They'll probably end up taking Okuda. And the Giants, they're already set on Daniel Jones. So why would you trade up in this situation? I mean, I'd just sit back and wait and pick two at five and be done with it. This is my sacrifice and all that capital. Miami in their position, they can trade less than other teams that go up to that point, but they'll probably have to offer a lot more than other teams, obviously. But my reasoning is I think a team can easily trade up to that spot over them and pick the quarterback they want. And I think that's what they're scared of. There's teams back there that might be willing to trade up to get another quarterback, especially teams like the Raiders might want to take a chance. The Jags have a lot of capital they can trade as well. So I think those two are definitely possibilities they might be afraid of. Also, the Redskins are still thrown around kind of. Even though I think it's obvious they should pick Young, they're still kind of thrown around that if they get a deal that blows them away, they'll trade the pick. And you could just sense like Miami might feel like it could possibly backfire if they don't take a chance to get the quarterback they want. So I could definitely see them making a move. Yeah, there's also the possibility that I don't see this happening, but – with Brady leaving New England, you never know what Belichick could pull out. He might try to trade up and get a Tua or a Herbert. And I think they could be mindful of that. So I think it'd be in Miami's best interest just to play it safe and try to trade up. But if you're Detroit, you also have to risk. If you trade down, Jacksonville might take a shot at the Giants pick so they can get a Cuda because the Giants know that they might be able to get Worfs at six or seven or eight, whatever. You know, It's just an easy move for Detroit or Miami. I think that's the best move for them is to trade those picks. Yeah, it will certainly be interesting to see. Let's move on to the New York Giants. Ben, I was talking to you. You have an interesting take here. Just for reference, the New York Giants, they ranked 30th in points allowed, so they sucked on the defensive side of things. And offensively, Daniel Jones started 13 times. He was sacked 38 times. That's just insane. So they clearly have needs at both sides of the ball. Ben, what do you think the Giants do here? This is a bold prediction, but I believe that the Giants will trade out of this pick back to Cleveland at number 10. I believe Cleveland jumps up to number four to take Isaiah Simmons and use him as a playmaker on the defense. And the, as the Browns adding him, he'd immediately make their defense elite. And at 10, the Giants would still be able to get one of the top four tackles available, and they still might be able to get uh, Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills if they fall to 10. It's an interesting take. I, I kind of agree that they could make a move, like I said in the previous discussion, about they could still get one of those good tackles down there. I do think that they are going to end up taking Wirfs or Andrew Andrew Thomas, in, or sorry, not Andrew Thomas, Mekhi Becton in some capacity. I also think that teams may be jumping at the chance to take Isaiah Simmons because he is one of the most versatile prospects that the league has ever seen. He's played everywhere from slot corner, deep safety, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, very versatile. And I think if you pair him with some of the talent they already have on defense, as far as like Carolina, for example, 
I think that'd be a good move for them, maybe to trade up. All right, I'm with Nug on this. I think they're just going to stick it out and pick it off at the tackle. It's too obvious for them. Their number one concern right now is picking an offensive tackle to protect them. And, well, this is the problem. If they trade down, someone else can easily trade up and take a tackle that they really want. And at the spot, they're in a position to take the first tackle off the board, and they might find a prospect they really love. And since that's their number one concern, I think they're just going to address it right there and not risk it. No, I'm going to have to go against the grain here. I think Isaiah Simmons will be picked at number four. But I think the Giants are going to stick with their pick and pick him. I mean, with a tackle draft that this, that's this deep, I think they'll go ahead and wait it out. I mean, they could trade down and wait for one more and then try and stock up on picks and load up that defense. But I think when you're at, you have the number four pick and you have a guy of this caliber, this size that can play that many positions, I mean, you just got to go with it. I know that they've talked before about how they're, he doesn't fit their – defense and all this but I'm pretty sure that's just a little bit of posturing I mean you've seen it before from uh, GMs talking about they don't like a guy just so they can try and boost that uh, trade stock in that draft pick so I think that's what they're doing right now and um yeah I do think they go with Isaiah Simmons and they might just wait for another tackle instead I really don't think you could go wrong either way I do uh, kind of subscribe to the train of thought that you win games with the trenches that's basically the main goal in the league is to build up your line. I mean, the best teams all seem to have really good lines. And when you have a generational talent at running back like Saquon Barkley, and you have a quarterback that you think could be a franchise guy like Daniel Jones, I think that you could definitely build up that line. Like they already have Will Hernandez in there. They just picked him last year. He's a strong guy. Um, so with him and Werfs and Saquon, who, like, like I said, the generational talent can score on any time he touches the ball, I think that's a good combo to have. And like you said, though, Simmons is a generational talent himself. So I really don't think he could go wrong either way. But I think they're going to end up going with Werfs. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my position just like Nug. I think Simmons personally is the second best prospect in this draft. Easy. He's once-in-a-lifetime kind of player. We haven't really seen a guy his size be that versatile. But I think it's just too tough to pass up an offensive tackle for them, especially just to protect their young quarterback and try to get an offense going for them. Like how Bill said, with this tackle class being as deep as it is, um, reiterating back, I think like they could trade down with Cleveland or even Carolina for that matter and be able to take their tackle while adding a second-round pick next year or possibly another first-round pick next year. Yeah, I think the end message is, you know, no one's going to blame the Giants for taking a tackle here. There are four really talented ones in the first round that we all think are going to go. But at the same time, they pick Isaiah Simmons. No one's going to blink an eye. That kid's going to be a stud. Let's move on to Miami. So everyone here seems to think that if two is there at five, they're going to take them. So why don't we just continue the discussion about, for those of you that think they're going to trade up to three, who are the main threats that you guys think are going to cause them to trade up and possibly lose one of their other first-round picks to do so? Um, I personally believe that New Orleans is a dark horse threat. Drew Brees seems to only have a couple years left. I think he signed a two-year deal, and he already signed a uh, broadcasting contract with NBC, so he might only play one year. And I think we all agree that we don't think Taysom Hill is a franchise quarterback. So if you have the opportunity for Sean – if Sean Payton thinks he has the opportunity to go up and get another franchise guy like Tua or even Justin Herbert or Jordan Love, uh, I think he could take the shot at doing that. 
Yeah, I'm with Nagam trading up. So my dark horse is going to be the Pats. Bill Belichick has never really made a move like this before, but he's never had Brady with the Pats as well. So if he's going to be without Brady for the first time and ever, he's, I feel like he could be definitely a dark horse to move up. The number one team to trade up over them would be Jacksonville because they just have so many assets. And even though they stated that they wanted to stick with Gardner, a lot of teams have said that and made a move anyways. So I feel like they're a real threat to actually trade up above Miami and pick a quarterback. The guy I think the Dolphins want to take is Tua, even with Justin Herbert trending up. I think they just see Tua as like the most talented guy for the QB spot that they can get. So I feel like they'll definitely make a move on him, even with those injuries. I feel that the uh, teams that the most likely team to trade up in front of Miami to take Tua would be Oakland because of their first round picks. And then also with, as AJ said, I also believe the Jacksonville Jaguars can also be a threat because both of those teams have two first round picks. So they have the capital to be able to move up above the top uh, inside the top three to be able to take Tua. And also my dark horse is new England because with Brady leaving. All right. Yeah. I mean, it'll certainly be interesting. Trades always make the draft more exciting. And like those teams you guys talked about, that can possibly motivate Miami to trade up. Let's move on to the Chargers. Most people consider them to be the win-now-ready team. So, you know, they could be one piece away from a playoff run. Who knows what they can do? Uh, Will, let's start with you. What do you like for the Chargers? I mean, I think they're going to go with Justin Herbert. Looking to uh, go after Philip Rivers here. Now, personally, I'm not the biggest Justin Herbert fan. I mean, he's got cannon arm, and the guy's just great raw potential. But if you're going for a win now, I mean, I'd go for somebody more like maybe a Jordan Love or maybe even trade up for that uh, to a – but, um, yeah, I mean, you saw the stat the other day. Justin Herbert was throwing like 24% behind the line of scrimmage on screens and stuff like that. I mean, that's the highest of all time. The second highest was like 17 18% by Kyler Murray. I mean, whenever you have that much production being schemed up through screens and stuff like that, it kind of makes me a little bit iffy about him. And being so raw, I mean, if I'm going for win now like they are, then I would just have to um, – I'd have to either trade up for Tua or maybe pick somebody else in this position. I also think they should be they should be on the look for Herbert here. As he's trending up, there's a chance he might not be available, but I do believe that there's a chance that he's available here, or the Dolphins could take him at five. But I do think they go quarterback, unless they wanted to pair Isaiah Simmons with Derwin James if he was still available at this pick. If, they, if Isaiah Simmons is available at this pick, I think they should take him. But you never know with how things are going to plan out. Yeah, I'm actually with Ben here. I think their best move for their team, especially since their win now, is just to pick a guy like Isaiah Simmons or even offensive tackle to help their quarterback. I think their best move for the QB situation could be to take a chance on someone like Cam Newton, free agency, have him and Tyrod Taylor have a camp battle, see if that could work out for them. Because with Herbert and stuff, you're kind of like, it's not a 100% case that will work out. And you have a team that can win now you should be able to build up everywhere else and take a chance on a guy like Cam Newton who's already proven just see if he can stay not injured and stuff. I think that's the best move for them. Yeah, I agree with AJ and Ben in the sense that they should definitely take Simmons if he's there. Um, I feel like Herbert, 
he has the potential to be a good quarterback. We just, like Will said, he had 24% screen passes behind the line. It's a very high number. That's almost, that's one-fourth of his passes pretty much. Um, and like AJ said, taking a flyer on a Cam Newton or even James Winston wouldn't be bad. I know C- Coach Lynn said he's given Tyrod Taylor the first shot, but if you have someone like James Winston who, yes, he had turnover issues, but he's also been very willing to push the ball downfield, which would mesh really well with Mike Williams, who is one of the biggest receivers in the league and is awesome at catching the deep ball. And that would also open up the underneath routes for the guys like Eckler and uh, Keenan Allen. So I would say their best move personally would be to take Simmons and then give Jameis Winston a decent contract, hopefully have him for a few years. He can actually see now, so that's great. (laughs) Now, if Isaiah Simmons does fall to number six and the Chargers take him, and you got Derwin James, Casey Hayward, Chris Harris, and Isaiah Simmons playing that defensive backfield along with Bosa, and uh, Ingram up front, I mean, I don't know how you can go wrong, especially having Gus Bradley at defensive coordinator. As a defensive guy, I would be absolutely licking my chops to watch that matchup every single weekend. You also have Desmond King in the slot as the nickelback, another all-pro player. Yeah, one thing's for sure. I never played football, but I would not want to play that defense. Let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals. Big headline this offseason, they added D-Hop. It's hard to say how many games they'll actually win. 49ers, Seahawks in their own division. I think they'll be a fun team to watch. Uh, But before we get there, I mean, we forgot about the Panthers at seven. That's more my fault. Uh, What do you guys think happens with the Panthers? It's a new coach, new QB, new offensive coordinator. Who else is joining the party here? I believe that this is the pick where Isaiah Simmons ends up going. Uh, he would change the dynamic of the Panthers' defense, and if he's there at the board, or if he's there on the board, I believe it's a no-brainer for the Panthers. But if he's gone, I believe they could go with Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina or a Derek Brown from Auburn. Yeah, I I agree that I'm I'm going to assume that Simmons has been taken by uh, the Chargers based off my last uh, prediction. So I would say they're definitely going to go with Derek Brown, who was a very good defensive tackle for Auburn. And everyone seems to acknowledge the SEC is the premier conference in college football. And going up against NFL-caliber linemen every week, he just utterly dominated. Uh, I remember, I forget which team it was against. It might have been Florida, where he had a nice fumble return on a strip sack. And you just saw his athleticism. I think he's going to be a very solid defensive lineman for years to come. Um, yeah, I'm with Nug there. If Simmons is there, he's obviously the first pick. Just in case someone trades up, I think definitely Derek Brown's the next guy to take. It's obvious. He's the best interior rusher here. They can usually just plug him in. He'll, get, he'll team up Brian Burns for a nice young duo on the defensive line. He'll definitely make some good moves there with them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think if he's still – or if they keep that pick, they definitely got to go with Derek Brown. I mean, like AJ said, he's a plug-and-play kind of guy. But I, I'm going to go with my dark horse here. I'm thinking that the Broncos are going to trade up, and they're not going to take one of the top two receivers on my board. They're going to end up taking Henry Ruggs. Now, I mean, they already have Cortland Sutton. He's your ex kind of receiver. He's a big guy, good route runner. You got Cortland Sutton, who, or Cortland Sutton. You got um, Deshaun Hamilton, who fits in at the Z very well. I think that they go for Henry Ruggs. I mean, he's a burner. He's exactly what they're looking for. Have those three receivers around Drew Locke. Everywhere else, they're kind of set. They're not in desperate need of anything right now. 
But, yeah, I do think that they will end up trading up for this pick. Carolina will fall back in the draft. I mean, they got a lot of options with this pick. They could trade up for somebody. They could go ahead and sit back and pick uh, Derek Brown, like I said, or even Isaiah Simmons if he's still there, definitely. They absolutely would have to pick him if he's still there. Or they can trade back and just wait it out. Yeah, Yeah, that could definitely make it very exciting. Uh, To all all of our Carolina listeners out there, I'm sorry for forgetting you guys. Maybe if you win more than five games, you'll be remembered more. Got to move on to the Arizona Cardinals now. Like I said, they got the hop. Fun team to watch. Uh, Ben, who do you like here? I like the Cardinals to take a tackle here. As you said before, they just traded for DeAndre Hopkins this offseason. They brought back Kenyon Drake. And they got Kyler Murray at the helm running that thing. The one thing that they're lacking is that offensive line. And if they take a tackle here, whether it be Werfs, Wills, Thomas, or Becton, I don't think they could go wrong. Yeah, I'm with Ben here. I mean, you're starting to see a trend. All the guys who picked um, younger QBs last year, they're starting to try to build up that line, protect them. They're starting to realize that's the most important thing to helping your quarterback develop well. So I'm with them. I think they're going to pick offensive tackle. That's the obvious move there. Uh, I can't really see them doing anything other than that. Yeah, this has got to be one of the most obvious positional picks. I mean, they're set pretty much everywhere on offense. They're just in desperate need of some sort of pass protection for Kyler Murray. I mean, the man was running around, running circles around the defense last year, looking like Russell Wilson out of like 2015 or something. But uh, yeah, they could definitely use some pass protection there. And I mean, whether you go Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills or Mekhi Becton even, I mean, you can't really go wrong. I personally would go with Tristan Wirfs, an Iowa guy, but it's up to you guys. Yeah, I'm going to assume uh, that Wirfs was picked by the Giants, so I'm going to say that the Cardinals are definitely going to go with Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. He's on the flip side of Derrick Brown. He is um, an SEC offensive lineman, plays at Alabama, uh, the premier program in college football of the past 12 years with Nick Saban, arguably the best college coach of all time. Uh, So, you know, he was trained well. And like Will said, Kyler Murray was really running for his life all of last season. You could definitely see the talent. And um, with Hopkins just added, along with Larry Fitzgerald, who's a solid underneath target, and Christian Kirk, I think they have the potential to win some games, uh, with, especially with some better protection for Murray. You could definitely see the talent he has. Well, I need some help. Yeah, it definitely seems like, you know, you buy a Mercedes like Kyler Murray, you don't go out driving that thing without some car insurance. And an offensive line would certainly protect him. All right, let's move to the Jaguars. They got Minshew mania going on. I'm personally a fan of Gardner Minshew. I know others here think they might want to take a quarterback. So the big question is, is Minshew mania going to continue? Do they trade this pick? Are they going to protect him? Guys, what do you think here? I think this is where Derek Brown goes. I mean, at this point, he'd easily be the best player on the board. And trying to stock up that defense after losing Jalen Ramsey and everybody else that they have, I think it's a pretty easy pick, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, AJ. Sorry. Yeah, I'm with Bill here, actually. I, this, I have Derek Brown projected to go to this pick. I think it would be a great grab for them to get him to replace on um, the defensive guys they have lost over the years. Uh. With the quarterback situation, though, I could definitely see them making a trade-up for it. They might be aggressive. I know I was all in on Gardner Mania, him and those Bud Lights, but 
maybe they don't see him as a guy for the future, so they might try to find another guy to replace him and trade up. They definitely have the assets to do so. I definitely think they could go one of three ways here. I definitely think that Minshew, you could get by with him for another year, but you don't know. I mean, you could go with Herbert or even Jordan Love here. Um, if, you, if you're sold on Gardner, you could definitely go with Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma to get him a nice playmaker along with DJ Shark and Leonard Fournette. Or the way I think they're actually going to go, after losing Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye over the last two years, I definitely think C.J. Henderson out of Florida is the pick here. He's a solid corner from a great SEC program, one of the um, DBU competitions. I mean, I think it's a good pick. I'm in agreement here with A.J. and Will. As If they keep this pick, the Jaguars will probably select Derek Brown. Although I believe, although I have a trade here that I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to trade up to number nine and select C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. Um, Carson Wentz last year, he lost his top three receivers, his top two running backs, and his number one tight end throughout the season. He needs help out there, and he needs playmakers. And if the Philly wants one of those receivers, they got to trade up and go get it because you got teams like the Jets, Raiders, 49ers, Broncos, even the Jags that could take a receiver at one of these place, one of these spots. And if you want to go get your guy, you got to go get it. I yeah. Yes, that's to make that move, though. Sorry, Jeff. No, go ahead, AJ. I don't know their position with a lot of the lower picks they have. If they were going to make a trade like that, they'd probably have to give up maybe a first next year because I don't think they have many picks styled up. So I'm not sure if they'll make that move. But maybe you're right. They definitely need a receiver. That'd be a good grab for Carson Wentz, who was playing with a bunch of JV receivers out there last year. So he definitely needs somebody like that. So I could that'd be a great move for them if they're able to make it in the right price. Yeah, now before we move on and talk about the Browns, I just want to give a shout-out to Gardner Minshew. And so out of all the nine rookie quarterbacks last year, right, he had the highest passer rating. He had the second highest amount of touchdowns thrown. And he had the second amount of passing yards. So, you, you know, I know he wasn't like a high prospect or anything. I know he's kind of a goofball. Maybe that's why I like him. But I think he has a lot of potential. I think you guys are right to say that they can just take a defensive player here. I think you can build around Garnu. But anyways, I'm probably in the minority there. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. They round out the top ten. And they're just the miserable Browns, right? You give them all the talent in the world, and they still finish third in their own division. So, Ben, I know you said that you think they're trading down to four. Uh, I want to get some other people's take about what you guys think the Browns are going to do. Uh, I'll start, I guess. So, I mean, the top move for them to make, I have them projecting getting the big man from Louisville. Unfortunately, he was caught rolling doobies, so I don't know what's, how that's going to affect his draft stock. So. They might go with a guy like Andrew Thomas there if he's available. Or, like you said, they might trade up and make the move for a guy they really like. I think the low-key thing they could do is trade down from this spot. There's a lot of teams desperate for that last offensive tackle that's available. If a team is really desperate, they could really load up some assets if they're smart. But, you know, they're not usually smart because they're bad every year. So, I don't think they will. I think they'll just probably pick the Louisville guy. I think Andrew Thomas is the pick here for them. Um they obviously seem to be invested in Baker Mayfield. Uh, they just got a new coach who brought in Case Keenum. He worked with Keenum uh, in their dream season in Minnesota a few years ago. 
So there's a possibility that Case Keenum could end up winning that spot. But either way, whoever is that quarterback, they definitely need to get someone to protect him. They haven't had a good tackle since Joe Thomas retired. And uh, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia is just an absolute monster. Um, really good in the run, solid in the pass game. I think that's the pick here. I mean, they're set just about everywhere. They got all kinds of talent. I'm not going to go into depth about the coaching that they have, but they are in desperate need of an offensive tackle. I mean, when you got all that talent and you still can't win, there's only one way you can point, and that's going to be the offensive line. Whenever you don't got protection for your quarterback and the way that they do, having Baker Mayfield having to run all over the yard, I mean, you got to find someone. I think they'll pick Mekhi Becton here, I mean, with their draft history. But in my case, I would probably pick Jedrick Wills. I mean, he's in my in my case here, he'd still be on the board. I mean, a good SEC guy, big, athletic. I mean, just what they're looking for, another plug-and-play guy. It really helped their offense off. And, Ben, why don't you talk about the Giants? If you think they trade down to 10, who are they going to get at 10? I think the Giants trade down. After their trade down to 10 here, I believe, that they will take the best offensive tackle available, whether it be Wirfs, Wills, Beckton, or Thomas. They will take one of those. I believe the best fit for them would be Werfs, but I don't believe he would be there. Same with Wills, so I believe that Thomas would be the best choice for them. And if the Browns do, and if I'm wrong about the trade and the Browns keep the pick, I also think they will take Thomas as well. Yeah, I really like Andrew Thomas. I think he'd succeed anywhere outside of Cleveland, but uh, that's just the Pittsburgh Steeler fan of me. All right, that seems to round out our top ten. Ben is going – he's already released – his full first-round mock draft. You can check it out on Twitter. Um, and so now that we're talking about first-round guys, who do you think is going to be the biggest bust? What do you guys think? Jordan I mean, it, Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say it, but I would probably say to it. I mean, if he's going to the Dolphins like everybody's got him projected going, there's nothing around him really like to help him out. He doesn't really have a number one, like, absolutely star receiving threat. He doesn't have a running game to fall back on. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick was leading them in rushing the entire year last year. I mean, it's going to be tough for him all next year, and I could easily see him just struggling in the same way that Josh Rosen did with the Cardinals. I'm going to avoid the obvious pick of either uh, either of the quarterbacks, and I'm going to go with uh, the corner out of Clemson, A.J. Terrell. He got absolutely dusted in the playoff game, uh, the national championship. Jamar Chase really had his way with him throughout the game. And, uh, yeah, I don't – Clemson corners really don't pan out in the NFL too well. So, I, I think he's going to end up being the biggest bust, personally. Uh, yeah, I'm 100% with Nug there. Clemson corners never work out. They're terrible year-round. So, I definitely think he'll be one. So – uh, someone else I could think that would be a bust. I think somebody might reach on DeAndre Swift. I don't know if he'll necessarily be bad, but I'm not sure if he's the best running back in this class with Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins. So I, if somebody reaches on him, he may not necessarily be a bust, but I think he'll be someone who won't be nearly as good as the pick that he's picked at. J.K. Dobbins is ass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well no, – go. When you go to Ohio State, what else are you going to expect? <laughs> Justin Fields threw that pick at the end of the game, man. Hey, that Clemson corner is looking good then, at least. I'll give him that. 
He didn't pick it off, though. It was like their third-string safety. That's all right. It was all Ryan Day's fault. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of wondering who, who he was throwing that pass to. I mean, you can say it's a miscommunication, but, heck, if I you know, dial up the phone and it's a miscommunication, I'm not throwing the ball all the way out to California. I mean, that's just a bad throw. And at some point, you just got to blame it on Ohio State because why not? If you go to Penn State like I do, you blame it on Ohio State. All right, so we talked about busts. Fellas, let's talk about some great impact players that might fall outside of the first round. Who falls outside and makes a great impact on their team? Now, one running back that AJ failed to mention was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I'm telling you, I love this guy. Um, Maybe not the biggest frame, maybe not the fastest, but, I mean, you watch what he did running them option routes in Joe Brady's offense, getting dotted up by Joe Burrow. I mean, this guy is a great receiving threat. And whenever you got all these running backs like J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor, these one-cut running first backs, I mean, in the NFL today, a satellite back like him, like you watch Austin Eckler taking over Melvin Gordon's job and people like him, people like Duke Johnson today, I mean, I really think he can succeed in the NFL at the high level. So. I think two guys here I have on my list, and going into the season, they were both supposed to be top ten. One was supposed to be top five. First, I got A.J. Appenza, I believe I'm saying that right, the edge rusher out of Iowa. He was supposed to be a top five pick, and from injuries and the not-so-great season, he's kind of fallen and will probably go in the second round, I'd assume, and I think he could be a steal for anybody. And then also another guy that has dealt with injuries and not so great season is Grant Delpit, the safety out of LSU. I feel he could fit a lot of team schemes and really disrupt a lot of quarterbacks out there playing center field. I think one running back that has been overlooked, uh, aside from Edwards Hilaire, is Cam Akers out of Florida State. Uh, The talent was there very early. He was a highly rated recruit coming out. He just struggled with a very poor offensive system, poor coaching and abysmal offensive line play. Uh, I think that a team that would pick him in either the second or third round would definitely be getting a good value pick. I would probably have him as my fourth or fifth rated running back, but I still think he's a starting caliber back in the league. All right. So I got two steals that I think will be definitely great picks for teams. One is LaVisca Chanel from Colorado. He was a guy who had an incredible year in 2018. And unfortunately, he just had a terrible offense around him in 2019. I think he'll be a great steal for someone. Second guy is James Lynch out of Baylor. He was the end there, but he could play inside and outside in the defense. He's very versatile. I think someone's going to get a great grab with whoever gets him. All right. And just as a Penn State guy, I want to get Will, you know, former Penn Stater, AJ, a current Penn Stater, your guys' take on this. Most people project Yitor Gross Matos not to fall out of the first round, but probably go to the Seahawks late first round. What kind of value do you think a guy like that can bring to a team? I mean, similar to Chase Young. Definitely not in talent, but I mean, he's got like a huge frame. He's got great athletic skill. Once again, not as great as Chase Young, but you insert him into that defense. I really like what you got there especially with Jadavion Clowney on the other side or even line them up on the same side and have Jadavion Clowney one-on-one with their tackle. I like it. So i got a great story about YGM. Me and Will were playing IM basketball. Well, not IM basketball, just basketball in the gym. 
And here comes the football players rolling in, and one of them is YGM. So we're playing against him, and a kid goes up for a layup, and YGM blocks it with his basically his forearm and sends it to half court almost immediately. <laughs> one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. He is a great athlete. He has a, he has a pretty um, rough childhood from some of the terrible events that happened to him. I know he's a motivated guy. Saw him at Penn State, did a lot of great things. I think he'll be a great grab at the end of the first round. Um, personally, as a Buckeye fan, I'm going to talk about another Penn State guy real quick. Uh, K.J. Hamler is one of the most electrifying players I've ever had the privilege of watching, and that's from a rival fan. Uh, seeing him in person take a slant pass 93 yards in the third quarter was really one of the most interesting plays I've seen. The man has ridiculous athleticism, and he, his burst is off the charts. He's a guy that has the potential to score anytime he touches the ball. I think he's pretty much like a Henry Ruggs light. Uh, so I think a team that would get him in the second or third round would be getting a steal as well. Just don't bring up fourth and five. <laughs> that was Chase Young's breakout moment. Yeah, Ben, I know you're not a big Penn State fan. You're definitely not donating to the cause anytime soon. But what can you talk about, Yitor or KJ, any of those Penn State guys that are going to get drafted? Well, the other three already touched on it, but Penn State's ass. I don't deal with them. Go Red Flash. <laughs> All right. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Red Flash, that's probably because they're a small D1 school in the middle of Pennsylvania, right next to the state penitentiary. Uh, we actually drove up to see our good friend Ben one time, and the fellas in the yard were just playing volleyball. You know, no gates or anything. Ben, I think you have a story about that, don't you? Oh, yes. Um, once we were at spring ball, spring practice last year, and we were all kneeling down as the coach was talking at the end, and all of a sudden a prison siren goes off, man. And there's this dude's like apparently escaped the prison, and our coach told us to go grab our things and go back to our dorm room because apparently he was like this really bad dude. And then the next day they ended up having to fly him out to Texas. He's coming to get you, Ben. He wanted your autograph. Yeah, right. More like yours. <laughs> Yeah, while we're on the topic of St. Francis, I just want to share my experience from there. So we go up to visit Ben, and they have these uh, yard games out there. And I'm playing cornhole, right? And there's this guy, Black Hood. I don't know. He looks like someone out of Harry Potter. But I forgot it's a Catholic school, and this guy turns out to be a friar, right? Friar Frank. Let's call him Friar Frank. And, you know, we're playing cornhole, me and Ben's brother. And I think we're winning 19 to 15. I asked this friar guy, what's the score? And this math whiz says, 1715, us. I go, are you sure about that, friar? He goes, yeah. So, look, man of the cloth, man of the cloak, whatever you want to call him, I don't want to argue with the guy, but that was my experience, a lying friar in the black cloth of math of St. Francis University. But anyways, great school, great fit for Ben. All right, let's shift the focus now to wideouts. This year has a chance to be a historic class, and when you think of historic wide receiving classes, 2004 comes to mind. There were seven wide receivers taken in the first round. Only two of them ended up making the Pro Bowl. Of course, Larry Fitz is the big name there. Will, why don't you kick us off this topic here? Talk about some wideouts in the first round. Who do you like? Where are some good fits? Um, I'd say that at least, at least four have to go. I mean, between Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs, uh, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, those four, those are locks for the first round. But I mean, between guys like Denzel Mims and LaVisca Chenault, 
I think at least two of those low-key second-round guys will sneak into the first round. I mean, going the other way, you could very easily see teams seeing how deep this wide receiver draft is and maybe just falling back or waiting it out and then taking them all in the second round. Guys like K.J. Hamler are going to end up in that boat um, and guys like that. Yeah, I personally think one receiver that um, teams could definitely wait on just due, just due to how deep the class is, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC. The guy's an absolute unity, 6'4", 223 pounds. Uh, had some quarterback issues this year. Uh, he definitely turned it up when Caden Slovis, who was a true freshman, came in. Uh, him and another guy, uh, Devin Duvernay out of Texas, ideal slot receiver, had over 100 catches this year. I definitely think those are some guys that might slip a little bit in the third round maybe, second round, third round. But they're definitely great value picks and I think could be very solid players for any offense immediately. Uh, yeah, I have six guys. Robert Hughes go in the first. I definitely think there's four locks. And even though I definitely understand the thought process that um, they could wait on it because of how deep it is, I think they're teams like Minnesota and Green Bay are going to end up taking receivers at the bottom of the first. I don't think they'll be able to help it. But, I mean, this team is so – the Barbecue core is just all so deep in this draft. And, I mean, they got great Wonderlick scores. Judy got a nine. I mean, that's below Lyrid. That's terrific. I mean, that means he's just going to ball out. He's not going to be scared to get hit. You want a guy like that on your team. Yeah. Uh, ben, anything to add there? Not really. It's the same. I got six going in the first round, and I could see anywhere from four to eight really going. And as an Eagles fan, who's the top guy that you want? Who's the realistic guy you think you'll get? Uh, realistically, I think if they stay put, they could get a Jeff Justin Jefferson or Denzel Mims. Um, if they do trade up, I would think it would be for C.D. Lamb. But if they are not able to pull off a trade up, I believe that they could trade down with a team like Seattle or Baltimore or someone and still be able to get a Denzel Mims or Jalen Rager at that pick while adding draft capital. I think I can see Justin Jefferson uh, ending up in New Orleans. Um, they've shown some interest, it seems. And uh, along with Michael Thomas, that would definitely no. create a nice duo. No. <laughs> Why not? Because I don't want him to get in New Orleans. <laughs> Why, you don't like that? That little combination between Justin Jefferson and Mike Thomas? Mike, Tom Mike, Mike Thomas throwing him the ball? I thought Drew Brees was the quarterback. That's the duo. Laughing that one. Wow. <laughs> One guy that'd be an interesting pick that we haven't mentioned is uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. from Kentucky. Uh, he had to play quarterback for most of the year because of some injuries. He ran mostly a wildcat system, but the guy's a freak athlete. He can really run. Uh, we didn't get to see too much of what he could do at receiver this year because of the injuries, but with a guy with that athletic ability that was seamlessly able to transition to quarterback, I definitely think he's worth a flyer from a team in the third round. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that the last two Super Bowl MVPs both played quarterback at college. Julian Edelman played at Kent State, quarterback. So, you know, maybe you could draw a slight comparison. I know Jerry Judy probably is with a nine on a Wonderlick score. He probably makes a lot of comparisons that, well, don't really make much sense. But that's the consequence when you get a 12-minute test and you get asked, which one's the red square? Well, that takes you three minutes. Anyways... Let's switch from wideouts to running backs. AJ, is there even going to be a running back taken in round one? Uh, like I was saying, I could definitely see someone 
taking a swing at Swift in the first. I personally think there should be none. They should definitely just wait until the second round. No running backs are really worth it now. But, I mean, hey, if somebody wants to just take Swift, I mean, I wouldn't really see a problem with it. I think someone will take a chance. I'm with AJ. I don't think any running backs go in the first round. But the Dolphins at 26 and the Chiefs at 32 could potentially take one, but I think they will wait. Uh, personally, I think I saw that the Dolphins have been linked to J.K. Dobbins, and they of might consider take taking, that. They might be considering taking him at their pick at 26. Uh, whenever they had to limit the amount of meetings they had due to the coronavirus pandemic, bust, he was one bust, of the 30 bust. players on their list. Yeah, I mean J.K. Dobbins just did not impress me with uh, his <laughs> catching ability. Let's just say that. You know, hands like feet. Justin Fields is going to be a great running back in the NFL someday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who even knows what position Justin Fields – I mean, no one just pays attention to Ohio State anymore. <laughs> I mean, are they even really relevant? Bro, they lost to Clemson. <laughs> if you yeah, they t- lost to a school in the ACC. Sure. Come on. I think Pitt beat that school a couple years ago, so – Pitt, better than Ohio State? I don't know. Uh, all right, let's talk about running backs in round two, round three. Who's the best available? Jonathan Taylor. Ooh. Kind of. Why, Ben? Why do you think that? He's a beast. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm with you. I'm with that too, baby. He's the best yes, running sir. back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. It is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I talked about him earlier. I'm telling Dumbass. you, he's a great fit for every goddamn team in the NFL. I'm telling you, you pick this guy, you put him in, you run him on an option around the backside, that man's going to have a 1,000 yards receiving. You're going to see the next Christian McCaffrey. He is not the next Christian McCaffrey. I think you put, if you put Edwards-Hilaire in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, he'll be the next James White. At least. Oh, yeah, I figured you would have said oh, more than Tom James Brady fan. That man's going to be running for 1,000 yards and catching at least 500 in his first What, Tom Brady going to throw gonna throw a nice little swing pass to him and Edward Solaire just going to do all the work for Brady? Wow, I wonder yeah. where you've seen that before. Hey, yeah. put some respect <laughs> on his name. Brady's the GOAT. Yeah, he's Agreed. fucking Briars. <laughs> he might have just yeah. cheated his way to those championships, but he's the GOAT, damn it. Yeah, he won I just games. That's it. all that matters. He might have been a horrible person, but he won games. That's what matters. All Closet. that matters. Okay. Go back to Claus. Yeah, Tom Brady, I just love it. If you Google his highlights and you just watch the videos on YouTube, most of, most of those passes he's making, five, ten, year, five, ten yards. Of <laughs> five, just ten years. Open, yeah, five, ten years. Because, you know, open coverage, no one's there. Like, I mean, AJ could make that throw with his left eye closed. I mean, it, it's just insane. Uh, I think that's just the Bill Belichick effect, though. But, guys, uh, we have around ten more minutes left. So let's shift the focus to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's no secret we're all fans of them. Born and raised. Uh, guys, we have no first-round pick. We essentially used that on Minka Fitzpatrick. But we have a second-round pick. Who do you like for the Steelers? I personally would love a Josh Jones or Austin Jackson to fall to us in the second round, or even if we had to trade up for him. But I don't think that's very likely. I think a likely candidate here could be Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU or Tyler Beatish from Wisconsin or an Isaiah Wilson or an Ezra Cleveland at the tackle position because we need to firm up that offensive line because it's getting old and it's starting to dwindle down. We're starting to lose some guys and everything like that. And I think offensive line is the way to go here. 
Yeah. Uh, Will, you're a coach. Do you agree, offensive line? Yeah, I would definitely agree with the offensive line, specifically an offensive tackle. Um, I think we're probably going to end up with Ezra Cleveland here. That's who I have us projected. But one guy that I really like, who we might get in the second, maybe even the third round, is uh, Brandon Jones, the safety out of Texas. I'd like to see him paired up with Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, they said he was one of the smartest guys, one of the best interviews they've had. Wherever we pick Cam Sutton, it was pretty much based almost entirely off of his interview because it was absolutely phenomenal. They said they that he would draw up every single play from every single game. They tried to trick him and gave him a game from a year before instead of the year that he was drafted. And they said that it was absolutely perfect, absolutely stunning, the uh, interview that they had with him. And he could just tell you exactly what they were running, exactly what the call was and the uh, keys on every single play. And Brandon Jones must have caught wind of that because being his uh, teammate at Texas, he, um, he took that role. Whenever he had his interview with the Steelers, did the exact same thing, was able to drop everything, became a real like film junkie. And the Steelers have always loved those kinds of players. So I could definitely see us going with him in the second, maybe if he falls a little bit into the third round. But for now, I got uh, Ezra Cleveland projected to us. Hey, yo, uh, Will Heim. Oh, sh- here, here's a guy that um, I, I don't think he'll fall, but I hope that he does, is uh, Grant Delpit at LSU. Uh, he's definitely been trending down because of his injury history. Um, I don't anticipate him falling to Pittsburgh, but he's a guy that if he's there, then we definitely have to take a flyer on him or uh, Josh Jones from uh, Houston or Austin Jackson. Like Ben said, those are all three good solid picks in the second round that would definitely step in and play immediately. Uh, I have a couple of different guys that I'm looking for in our pick. I'd love an offensive lineman. Unfortunately, I think guys like Austin Jackson and um, Josh Jones will be gone. Oh, rats. I would, <laughs> I would love to look at, um, a guy like Jeremy Chin, small school safety. He's a big guy. He was really athletic. He looks like he, he looks like he could be a really good player in the league based on everything I've seen on him. So I think he'd be a good grab there. A running back I think would be good as well, the pair of James Conner. I don't think it's pretty clear that he can't stay healthy. I don't know if he can be the um, cowbell kind of guy we want. So if we can have a committee with someone else we can get in the second round, I think that would be a great grab for us. Hey, Bill, you said that uh, you want the Steelers to take Brandon Jones. You said he's a bright young man, correct? Yes, sir. So you're telling me he scored higher than a nine on the Wonderlick test? I would assume <laughs> that he did. That's fantastic. I would man. absolutely we need brain, hope that he we, did. We, we need smart people in that secondary, and man. Frank we can't Gore's have those nines. Six and he's still running the ball. That might be the reason why. He Frank Gore is about to fall apart. Frank Gore's got, probably got less brain cells than he got <laughs> questions right on the Wonderlick test. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I could just see Frank Gore like 30 years from now going to a restaurant and they're just like, hey, Frank, what do you want to eat? He's like, soup. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) You know, that's all he's going to eat is soup. You know, he's just going to get one thing in his mind and that's that's all he's going to ask for. I mean, you get hit after hit after hit on the football field, then you score six. On the Wonderlook test, I mean, those are just two combinations that just don't add yeah, up. I have a uh, copy of the Wonderlook test. Would you like to take it? Because I would absolutely love to see your score. Well, I think I'd get higher than a six. <laughs> uh, but, after that comment, I don't know. Uh, but anyways, um, let's shift it back to the Steelers. The omniscient Mel Kuyper, right? The mailman, as I think the Colts GM nicknamed him that very first year. Uh, he thinks that we're going to take Jalen Hurts. What do you guys think about that? 
Terrible pick. Please do not pick a quarterback. I think a pick of a quarterback is a waste. I still think Ben's got two years. Thank and you. if you're if you're not picking a guy that you think is going to be a franchise guy, then it's just a waste of a pick, in my opinion. Boomers. I hate them. Yeah, we're win now, I think, with these last two years and with that we have with Big Ben probably. He can stay healthy. So I think the last thing we want to do is reach on a guy right now without a first-round pick, just take one of these guys. I think it'd be a waste of a pick. Let's take some guys to help us win now. Yeah, and we could get Jameis Winston. What do you guys think about famous Jameis? Hey, man, he can see now. He might still throw like 20-plus interceptions, but, hey, he's going to sling it all over the field. Let's take a chance on the man. If you can get him on a good deal, I think it's absolutely worth it. Absolutely. Might just steal some crab legs. It's okay. Yeah, amazing grace. I was blind, but now I can see. Maybe he'll throw five less interceptions. I don't get into an Uber either. But going back to the Steelers, I feel that um, – I really feel that they need to take an offensive lineman in the second round. And later on throughout the draft, I feel they might need to add another offensive lineman throughout. And then they also need to draft a defensive lineman with the loss of Javon Hargrave. And then another potential get would be an edge rusher to come in on certain plays and obviously a running back because James Conner is not durable enough to be the workhorse back. Yeah, anyone else have any thoughts about, um, you know, the hey, Steelers? Man, you can never have enough do? edge rushers, baby. Ain't that the truth, so brother. Uh, I'll add one more thing. I think a position that's really going to get – on a lot is the cornerback position there's a lot of guys at the end of the first that need them and i think there's going to be like kind of just like people just firing all cylinders just keep taking corners over and over again scared that they won't be available in the second and i think there's going to be a lot of big reaches at that position as far as the steelers go as long as we don't pick a quarterback i'll be pretty pleased i mean you can go ahead and point to last year's performance by rudolph and hodges and say they're definitely not um franchise quarterback but I mean, that offense last year, that was built so that Ben Roethlisberger would be at the helm. I mean, the worst thing that possibly could have happened was him going down. I mean, you can make up for guys like James Conner going down. I mean, you look at the past two years, whenever he's gotten injured, we've had excellent play behind him. But um, you can say that they're not franchise guys, but we haven't seen yet Mason Rudolph or Devlin Hodges have an offense built for them, have an entire offseason where they're learning the offense properly um, and not playing scout team and running first team reps all throughout camp and every week in, week out. So, I mean, I'd still roll with them for at least the next couple of years. All right. And I want to get everyone's take really quick here. I'm sure we're going to do an entire podcast about the Steelers upcoming closer to the season. But, everyone, if we have a perfect draft here, we get everyone you think we can reasonably get, and it, it's a good fit. How many games do you think the Steelers can win this year? Double digits. I say 10 or 11. I mean, given given that everyone's healthy, I mean, it could be anywhere from like 9 to even 13. I'd probably pick more along the lines of 11 or 12. I mean, with that defense we got, as long as you give Ben Roethlisberger a cushion of like 13, 14 points, I mean, he's going to go out there and he's going to help you win games. Four. yeah you know ben actually tried to work for vegas the over under (laughs) he suggested that one and then they discovered he got a six on his winter look test but anyways uh that's about one 
Well, I mean, I only did one question. He's been hitting the head too many times. Let him go. Yeah. So that's yeah, look about at his hair. <laughs> yeah, guys, we could talk about the one look test all day, but in the spirit of it, it should only be a 12-minute conversation. So that's about as much time as we have for today. Uh, with the coronavirus still looming, from everyone here at The Cycle, we hope that you keep safe and that you keep healthy. Catch you next time on The Cycle.